Well, obviously, uh, this time of the year is a good opportunity to think about the meaning of Christmas. And so, maybe this afternoon, in the time we have available, we can do that here. And uh, we're going to answer this question, why did Christ come? And to use one part of God's word. From the first letter of John. Because John in this, of course, as you know, John wrote, first of all, the gospel. Then he wrote three letters. And uh, the first letter is, consists of five chapters. And five times in these chapters, John tells us why Christ came. But by way of introduction, there's two things that these apostles wanted to emphasize. And the first point is this. That Christ really did appear in the flesh. That he really was a human being. In fact, he says in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, by this you may know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And in the beginning of his letter, uh, he keeps repeating himself. He says, I want to tell you about this one that was from the beginning. We've seen him with our eyes. We've touched him with our hands. And then he says it again. We have seen him. We heard him. So again, he's trying to emphasize that he was, Jesus was actually here. We saw him with our own eyes. You see, in those days, there were some people that said, look, our human flesh is unclean. So if you're saying that Jesus is somehow God, then it's not possible for God to appear in human flesh. But John, but of course we do not believe that the flesh is unclean. And so, therefore, John wants to emphasize that Jesus really appeared as a human being. He appeared in the flesh. Now, you might ask, uh, is that important for us today? Yes, it is. Because in the first place, the Christian faith is not based on the teaching of Christ. You see, many people say, why did Jesus come? And they think he's come to bring teaching. And of course there is teaching. But in the first place, and I'm repeating myself, Christianity, the Christian faith, is not based upon the teaching of Christ. So what is it based on? It's based upon these five great facts about the Christian faith. Place. The first one, that Jesus, who was from the beginning, became a baby, was born here into this world. The word that was from the beginning, 
This word became a human being and lived among us. Hana Markatsav. The second thing? Yegrot. The life of this person. Sorry? The life, the, 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 the life of Jesus. Asusi Gyanka. His miracles. His healings. Casting out evil spirits. Thirdly, his death upon the cross. Fourthly, he came alive again from the dead. Fifthly, he went back to heaven. Where's the teaching? If there's any teaching at all, it gives us the meaning of those five historical facts. So Christianity is based upon these, these facts, these historical events that took place. And what Peter and John and the others are saying is this. We were there. We saw him with our own eyes. We're, we're witnesses. And praise God, even though today we are to believe by faith, our faith is not a blind faith. Some people say, well, I don't really know if there's a God there or not. But maybe there is. So I'm going to believe anyway. That's, that's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith today is based upon those things that have happened in history. And we praise God for this solid foundation that we have. And that's why people that are opposed to the Christian faith to try to destroy Christianity have tried to prove that those things didn't happen that we've just said. For example, the resurrection. But praise God, everybody that's tried to disprove the resurrection ended up confirming it. I saw in the newspaper this past week that in the uh, in the O2 what they call it the O2 place. Um, next September. They're going to uh, do uh, Ben Hur. Ben Hur film. With uh, no, with real horses. You know the chariot race in the Ben Hur. <laughs> And uh, they're already selling tickets for it. <laughs> but I wonder how many people know the background to Ben Hur. Where the, the man who wrote the book, who didn't believe in God, was asked to write a book to prove that Jesus never rose again from the dead. But after all the research and everything else, he found out that Jesus did come alive. <laughs> and so he wrote Ben-Hur. And I suppose most of us have seen the film. <laughs> so praise God for this solid foundation that we have. <laughs> The second thing that the apostles emphasized by way of introduction is this. That, that as Jesus comes into the world, he fulfills all these prophecies that were written before about him.
And uh, there are quite a, there are many of these that are connected with his birth. We think, for example, of those um, wise men that came from the east. Maybe they came from Armenia. The Iranians always say they came from Iran. <laughs> But they came from the east. They saw the star. They knew that somebody special was born. And so where do you go? When you want to meet a new prince. You go to the palace. So they go to the palace in Jerusalem. So Balat Gertas, Jerusalem. They thought the star was over the palace. Desan Baladivra. And of course when the king heard Ash. what they were going what they were saying, he was very upset. He says, I'm the king. Who's this you're talking about that's been born? Yes, I'm Takavora. Obevor Astigazanav. But what did he do? Inshiravoram Takavora. He called in the religious leaders. He says, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? Now what did they say? Did they say, well wait a minute, we're not sure, but let's go in, uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a sleep, we'll go to sleep. Maybe we'll see a dream or a vision. No, no. They knew. Because it's written in the book. A thousand years before. That he was to be born in Bethlehem. And as soon as these wise men heard this, they realized they'd made a big mistake. They'd come to the wrong place. And when they went outside, they saw that this star wasn't just over the palace. It was over this way. Because Bethlehem is very close to Jerusalem. Uh, it's a bit like Slough to London. It's, very, it's relatively close. Anyway, off they go. And of course they found the child in Bethlehem. And I remember at one time having some doubts about the truth of God's word. But when I saw all these, um, these prophecies, It, it, it helped strengthen my faith in the Im, truth of God's word. Because what does God say in the Old Testament? What's the difference between me and all these idols, all these gods? And God answers. And he says the difference is this. I can prophesy about the future. And the Old Testament is full of all these prophecies about the coming of Jesus. So praise God for this foundation. The, the, the things that actually happened and the prophecies. But why did he come? So John gives us five reasons. And if you have your Bibles, chapter 3, verse 5. And John says, you know that he appeared to take away sins. Shall I read this? Yes. So the first reason why Jesus came was this. 
আর আচিম বাচ্চার হিসুস ওরেগা বাসর আমারে টু টেক অ্যাওয়ে সিনস পের মেখকের ভার্সনে রিমেম্বার ওয়েন জন দা ব্যাপটিস্ট সো জিসাস কামিং ভার Not that we have loved God. But that he loved us. And he sent his son. Now I don't know what the Armenian Bible says for the end of verse 10. He sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Do you know what the word is? It's used there in Armenian. Which, which, which chapter? Chapter 4, verse 10, the very end. Verse 10, okay. Let me read it, this one. Ais pani mech eser vor vosh te mer menk siretsing astruin haba vor aniga mes sirets vor ir vortin gargets mer mechkerun kavutsyan lalu. Okay, because at the end there of verse 10 is a very difficult word, and I don't know how it comes over in Armenian. Yeah. Uh, in English, it's the word propitiation, uh, which is connected with God's wrath. God's, yeah, God's wrath, you know the word. I want to emphasize this. You see, this verse talks about God's love. But it's not because of God's love that Jesus had to die on the cross. I know there are people today that have problems over this. But it's very important for us to be clear why Jesus died and why there was no other way. And it talks here about God's wrath against sin. Because we know that God is a righteous God. He's a holy God. A God of justice. A God who cannot just simply forgive sins like that. He wants to forgive us. Yes, he's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. Or, or grace, a God of grace. And a God of grace. But how can he forgive us? When he is a God who is, is, is full of holiness and righteousness. So there, there, there's a problem here. Which is connected to the character of God. And what's the answer? How can God love us and keep his Righteousness and holiness. I heard this story about uh, a judge in Australia. Whose son uh, was guilty of a crime. And uh, they brought the son to the court. and finds that his father is sat there as the judge. And the, pe- the people thought, what's this judge going to do? Is he going to say, well, uh, excuse me, uh, this, this is my son. Um, if you uh, allow me to be able to let him go free, Uh, in the, uh, um, 
ազատ արցակ եմ i promise you that he, he won't do it again yes ես եկի խոստանամ որ անգամ եւս պիտի չնա ասանցանգա but of course as a judge you cannot talk like that բայց ի փրտադախազ ասեցով չի գնար խոսել and the way i heard the story եւ եթե որ լսեցի ես պատմությունը was that he he find his son a very very heavy sum of money իր դողն շատ զորավոր բաճեց նյութական թե որ so that they knew that the, the boy didn't have any money kitsan vor dagan tramchuni and he's going to have to go to prison the court comes to an end and uh, the judge goes out takes off his uh, his, you know, his clothes his uh, court clothes and then what does he do, what does he do? as a father he goes and pays the fine of his son verta yev irdogun trama vadije gvjare study might be set free or pesi azad artsakvi now i know that story is not um kidem oraspa mutchune it's not uh, it's it's perhaps defective when we when, when we want to talk about god it's just tishtseva chegernala but the principle is there pas principle hone god is a judge The Bible talks about his wrath against sin. Sin has to be punished. But what does he what does God do? He comes and takes the punishment of our sins. So that instead of us having to die he takes our death and by doing that he can keep all his attributes all his characteristics together he shows his love to us but he keeps his holiness by coming and dying in our place and that's why it says here that god in his love he sends jesus to be that sacrifice for our sins and we can never forget that when we're talking about christmas When we realize that this person who came from above and became a human being knew that he had come in order to be that sacrifice for us And so he came to take away sins. <laughs> What else did he come for? Chapter 3 verse 8. Especially the last part of verse 8. It says the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. An vor գորդե սատանայեն է վասնզի սատանան սկիսպեն ի վերգը մեղանչե ասոր համար աստուծո որդին հայտնվեցավ որ սատանային գորձերը քան թե so jesus came to destroy the works of the devil okay jesus says the thief comes to steal իսուսը գսե որ քողը գուկա քողնալու to kill մերցնելու and to destroy but i have come to give life jesus refers to satan as a as a murderer as a liar and the bible teaches us that the people people everywhere are living under the control of satan Sadanai dakabrin sadanai aya ishkhanutyan dak In fact uh, in chapter 5 verse 19 it says that in this letter Hingerort 
The second part it says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Yes, chapter Five. Nineteen. Uh, sorry, what what is it? Uh, uh, that's that's it. Yeah, one verse. Yeah, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Is that right? Is Yeah? Ah, I had a bit longer, sorry. Don't worry, that's okay. And he's referred to as the God of this world. And he's blinded people's eyes, they can't see. Now, if we went out tonight to talk to some people here in Chiswick, and we would say to them, look, uh, do you know that you are under the control of Satan? They probably wouldn't be very happy. And uh, maybe they might even feel like hitting you. Because people don't like to hear this. And want to deny it. But you see, the Bible teaches that we can only be in one of two places. We're either under the reign of Satan or the reign of God. And it's for that reason that I, I, I feel that perhaps one of the most important words uh, in the Bible is the word transfer. Where God wants to take us out of the reign of Satan. And he wants to transfer us to his kingdom. And that's where there is joy and peace and so on. Over here, there is death and sin and so on. Mm-hmm. In fact, Paul actually says, he uses the word transfer in Colossians 1.13 when he says he has uh, taken us out of the power of darkness. And I think the problem is is that many people they think well maybe they're somewhere in the middle. They're not here and they're not there. But there's there's no there's no middle. We're either here or either there. And it's so important not only for us but for our friends and family to somehow realize this. That it, it, God out of his love and his grace, he doesn't want us to stay here. But he wants to bring us into his blessings. Where there, there is freedom. Freedom from the punishment of sin. And freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from having to keep the law to be accepted by God. And freedom from the fear of death. And that's, why that's why Jesus came. In order to destroy all the works of the enemy. And uh, we rejoice in that freedom that he's brought us into. At least I've learned one word in Armenian, because the word azad is... <laughs> <laughs> but 
Praise God for the Azadi that we have in, 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 in Jesus. Farsi, right. yeah. <laughs> Same word in Farsi, yes. So there is freedom in Christ. And that's one reason why Jesus came. But this leads us on to the third point. Why did Jesus come? And I think we were thinking of this verse in our worship today. Chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Or to put it simply, that we might find life, life in him. And we know, of course, that when we talk about life, we're talking about the work of God's Spirit. In fact, in verse 13, it says, We know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. There are many ways in which the message of Christ is unique and special. One of them is this. I don't know any other teaching uh, that's able to give life. You look at the teachings of the world. The different religions. Some of the newer religions. The philosophies of this world. There's none of them that can give life. It's, it's all teaching, teaching, teaching. And that's why we said in the first place, Christ did not come to bring teaching. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that, that human beings, as far as God is concerned, are dead. Yes, uh, physically we're alive. But, but there's no spiritual life. So our first need is not to hear some teaching. But who can make us alive? And that's why Paul liked to use this expression that we are like new people. Uh, you are new in Christ. It's like uh, two people that were walking in Hyde Park. One was a politician and one was a Christian. Mega Christonia politicianer. And they passed by a man that was uh, lying down there. He was a beggar. All his clothes were torn. And the politician, he looked at this man. Politician and he said to the Christian. You know, if we were to be in charge, if we were to get control. We would give this man a new suit, a new coat. And the Christian said, And what does Christ want to do? He would put a new man inside that suit and coat. Because politics and social help can only deal with the outward. It cannot change people on the inside. Christ came to give us life. 
And there's another aspect of the life that we find here in this letter. Because whenever, whenever John uses the word life, he always adds another word. Because of course this life is eternal life. It's not just for here now. But of course it takes us on into eternity. In fact, one of the reasons why he wrote this letter is about that. If you look at chapter 5, verse um, verse 11. Well, let's read from verse 12. Verse 12. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. But then he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And another of the great blessings of the Christian faith that, again, I have, you cannot find anywhere else is this. That we can know that God has accepted us. And we have eternal life. And what a tremendous blessing to be able to, to, to have that certainty when we know that God has accepted us. And that's why we've got good news to pass on to people during Christmas time. Because most people don't know where they're going. They think it depends upon what they do. If it depended upon us, there was, there was no need for Christ to come. In fact, Paul says that. If you can do it yourself, we don't need the cross. But it's because we cannot do it. Dead people cannot produce life. But God gives us life and it's like a gift. And we can have that assurance that we've got eternal life. So why else did Jesus come? Uh, chapter 4, verse 14. We have seen that the Father has sent the Son. To be, to be the savior of the world. So there's the fourth reason. To be the savior of the world. And of course the whole message of Christ is based around this word salvation. Because of course it's for everyone. For all time. You know, when Jesus was born, uh, many at that time didn't know what was going on. Um, for example, Joseph was a bit upset when he found that his fiancée was expecting a child. But when, when, when the angel uh, begins to speak to Joseph or speaks to others that were around at that time, even the message to Mary, uh, the message to, uh, to the shepherds, uh, Message to uh, the father of John the Baptist. And uh, the message to that old man 
Simeon who was waiting for Christ. You look at all these messages. And this word is being repeated. This person has come to save, to be a savior. Again, that the emphasis here is not on teaching. But no, as the angel said to Joseph, you know, you're to name him Jesus. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. And that's why he came. And the big problem with religions today is this. Is that people keep thinking that all they need to know is what God wants them to do and they can do it. And it's not just, we're not just talking about Islam and other religions. But even in the Christian religion. I remember when we were working in Tabriz. Uh, Working with Armenians. Working with Assyrians. It was very difficult for them to understand this. And they thought that Jesus had come to bring some teaching. They saw no need to trust in Jesus as their saviour. And when we used to go to the Armenian meetings, uh, it used to surprise me that, uh, first of all, there were usually just ladies inside the church, no men. Uh, the men were out in the yard talking together. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into the church, uh, there was so much incense, you couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And, and then you would ask the, our, our Armenian friends, do you understand what the priest is saying? He would say, they would say no. He's speaking old Armenian. And I used to ask myself, you know, is this is this the Christian message? And I remember we went and uh, we became friends with the uh, the Armenian bishop, the Khalifa. I don't know what they call him in Armenian. And would would share these things with him. And he was a good man. And he accepted what we were saying. And we got, we got his permission to work with the children and the young people. And they started coming to our meetings. And all we wanted to do was to try to tell them why Jesus had come. And to help their parents to understand. That someone is not a Christian because you've been born one. But as dead people, we need life. And Jesus came to bring that life. And to save us from the punishment of our sins. I sometimes use this illustration. Somebody that's, uh, that's drowning in a lake. It doesn't know how to swim. What, is, what does that person need? Uh, someone to come along to start to teach them how to swim? No, that person is a lifesaver. Who's going to get into the water and to get them out. And that's what Jesus does. 
teaching at its best cannot save us. Mian usus munka mezi chigernar pergel. But praise God, he came as savior. And of course, what, it's, what it says here is that he's the savior of the world. Because he's the only savior. And I know many people get upset with this. When they realize that Jesus says that I am the way, no one can come to the Father or for example when Peter was preaching he says under heaven there's no other name being given by which you might be saved and people today especially here in Britain they, they, they don't like this they think no 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 this is Christianity is one way and they say you know it's like going up a mountain Sorry? Go climbing up a mountain. Uh, there's the summit, the top of the mountain. Right? And uh, there's different roads that lead up the mountain. Okay, you can go your way. But, uh, you know, there's another way around the back. Someone might be going from London, going to Bristol, Bristol but they take the wrong road, and they find themselves in Brighton. Brighton so it's not true to say that all roads lead to the same place. Because they don't. And there's good reason why we say that Jesus is the only way. And when we think that God became a man in Jesus, which in itself is an incredible thing, and that this person is willing to go and sacrifice himself, then would he do all this if there was some other way? There is no other way. So he is the Savior. And three times in these verses in John, he keeps repeating himself, God sent his only son. He sent his son that we might live through him. He sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. And he sent his son to be the savior of the world. Well, that leads us on to the final point. Why did Jesus come? Chapter 5, verse 20. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Why did Jesus come? That we might know the true God. That we might know him. Not, not just know about him, but to actually know him. It's interesting, it's interesting that in uh, in John's gospel in the first chapter it says no one has ever seen God. But in chapter 14 Jesus says 
Jesus, because he's come from God, is that complete revelation of who God is. So that Jesus can say, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And when Jesus was praying to his Father, he said this, This is life eternal, he says. This is life eternal. That they might know you. The true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this, of course, is a wonderful truth. God himself speaks in the Old Testament he says this. If somebody is going to boast about something, don't boast that you've got money or that you've got strength or that you've got wisdom but boast in this that you know me. And knowing God is a tremendous experience for all of us. Where we're able to, to walk with Him. And, uh, and I don't think there's a greater blessing whereby we realize that the Almighty God becomes our Father. And that we are his children. And you know, everything comes out of that relationship with the living God. And uh, and for those of you that have been Christians for a number of years, Make sure that you get hold of Jim Packer's book, Knowing God. Uh, and uh, it's a, a tremendous book to be able to help us in our growth of knowing who God is. Maybe it's in Armenian, we've got it in Farsi, it's in Arabic, it's a book that's gone throughout the world. But what a wonderful book. Jesus came that we might know God to know him as our Father. And we're so thankful for that relationship that we have with him. So there we are. The meaning of Christmas. <laughs> According to John. <laughs> Jesus came to save us from our sins, destroy the works of the enemy, give us life, and to give us eternal life. To be the savior of the world. And to make God known to us. And this time of the year presents a wonderful opportunity of being able to share this message with others around. That at a time when we know that people, unfortunately, are mainly thinking of other things, but it's our prayer that somehow over this Christmas the, the true message of Christmas will become known. That as we give gifts to each other we want to thank God for that great gift that he has given to us which is found in his son.
Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your love towards us. And we know that you sent Jesus for us. And we realize that he came to take away the sin of the world. And we realize, God, that you, that you, are, that you are a righteous, that you are a holy God. And we just marvel again at the fact that you were willing to come to take the punishment of our sins. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And when we look at the cross, we see ourselves there. We should have been there. But we thank you that Jesus took our place. And we thank you that Jesus came in order to transfer us away from the power of Satan. To bring us into your kingdom. Where there is forgiveness. Where there's freedom. Where there's joy, where there's peace. And we thank you there is security in there. We thank you that he came in order to give us this life. And to know, Lord, that you have accepted us and we have eternal life. And we thank you that he came to bring salvation. And there is no other Savior. And we thank you that he came to make you real in our lives so that we might know you as our Father. We ask, Lord, that all of these truths will be completely clear and revealed to each one of us. We also, we, we pray for our English friends and our Armenian friends. We ask, Lord, that you will help them to understand the importance and the significance of what we're doing. And we pray for the meetings here next, especially next Sunday. That uh, as we hope that Armenian friends will come here to maybe see the children. That they will realize that not only that Jesus is the Savior of the world, but he wants to be their personal Savior. That they might know that they've been transferred from death to life. So we praise you and we thank you for this time of the year. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe, Ray, we could sing that song we sang at the end, Oh, come, uh, let us uh, adore him. Is that from the, the chorus? Yeah, yeah. Yes, he is worthy of our worship and our praise. Let's stand and sing, shall we?
I just lead in a prayer of praise as we draw to a close tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Amen.